All right, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Everybody doing well? So this is going to be my only opportunity in this series to clarify a few things about that video with me in it. So I'm going to take that opportunity this morning. First of all, yes, that is my morning routine. That is how I get this beautiful beard to look as beautiful as it does, right? Uh, but it was also filmed in the afternoon, so it starts out way worse. And the hair, if you could imagine, is way worse in the morning, actually, too. Also, I did stop at that stop sign, I promise. And two, that video is sped up, which means I did, when I, when I go into the turn lane to come to the church here, I, I did stop there as well. So I didn't just right in there like it looks like I did. So anyway, no, I, I think this has been an incredible series. It's been really fun. Before we get into it this morning, though, I just want to take a minute and to just put, put a plug in for LP Kids. If, you're, if you have kids, if you have children, and, and you're not currently utilizing the LP Kids, I think you should reconsider, because I think that Andrea does an absolutely amazing job in LP Kids. So give her a round of applause. She does a really good job surrounding herself with some awesome volunteers, and so if, if you're not currently using LP Kids, I think that you should. So, But this morning, the, uh, the topic of discussion for It's Not Too Late is self-care. So when we talk about self-care, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. It's a little bit of a weird topic, a little bit of a weird subject, because it don't really seem all that spiritual. But think about this. When we, when we go through this series, if it's not too late, you know, one of those things, one of those questions that came up is, I wish I could go back and tell myself to take better care of yourself. And so what I want us to talk about this morning is self-care, taking care of yourself which seems to be simple, but if you're anything like me, you don't do a very good job at it. Actually, I would bet that most of us do not do a very good job of it. For example, let me, let me, let me just give you an illustration, I think, a story that helps illustrate this. So a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, me and Cody were at my house, and we were shooting guns because that's just what I like to do, and I needed to side in a scope on my little twenty-two rifle, and if you don't know how to sight in a scope, if you're not familiar with this process, the way you do this is you put a target, you see it, you shoot, you go check where it hit on the target, and then make adjust, adjustments on your scope, right? But to do that, you've got to walk to the target. So I remember making this statement to Cody, and I said, I said man, we're, you know, we keep having to walk back and forth this target. I should probably go in and get my binoculars. Now, what then come out of my mouth was something very interesting. Because then I said, no, I just don't, don't want to walk and go get them. Which is, which is really dumb, and here's why. Because we were about maybe 50 yards from my house. And so instead of walking the initial 50 yards to go get some binoculars so that I could shoot, look in the binoculars, see where I hit, and make adjustments, instead, for some reason, I was more apt to walk the 30 yards to the target no less than 30 times when I could have just went and got the binoculars and did it once, right? And, but I think that illustrates self-care. So many times we are interested in what we think are time savers, which actually rob us of time. Or we're interested in doing things that will make things better that actually make them worse. For example, we live, me and Carissa live a very busy life. And a lot of times, I'll make the statement, I will say, let's just go through the drive-thru to save some time and go get some McDonald's, right? 
We're busy people. We'll just run in McDonald's. But here's the problem with that. We know, every one of us know, that McDonald's is bad for you. And so, so many times when we talk about self-care, what we're so apt to do is to choose something that will actually rob us later. We will take something like McDonald's that is a time saver at the moment, but we know that it's bad for us. And that it will ultimately, and I don't want to be overdramatic, but it could literally reduce our life. If I eat McDonald's every day, it will, not, it will at least... It will at least reduce my quality of life on this planet and not put the the nutrition that I need in my body, right? And so when we talk about self-care, it's weird because we know that none of us are very good at it. And so when we're talking about this in sermon prep, here's what we come down to. Like, most of us are not very good at self-care, but we also, at the same time, tend to spend too much time on self-improvement. So these two polar opposite things that, we're, that we neglect on one hand, but then also overdo in the other. For example, self-improvement, this idea that I'm going to make myself better, that I'm going to try to learn more, I'm going to make a better me, it is a $5 billion industry in the United States. On average, Americans will spend around $502 million on it per year. And the problem with it, I think, is that when we talk about self-improvement versus self-care, they're two very different things. Self-care is about taking care of yourself. Self-improvement is trying to be better, right, at something. I want to be better at business so that I can gain more money. I want to be better at this so I'm better at that. And it's this selfish mentality that's only about me. And the issue with this is when we look in Scripture... It's very rarely, if ever, just about us. Instead, we're called to live lives of service. Instead, we are called to live lives that give to others, that don't just take, that don't just seek to do what's best for me. And So when we talk about self-care, it's kind of like the firefighter mentality. And what I mean is, is if you look at the way firefighters train, they will tell firefighters what you need to do is you need to train, you need to make sure that you are safe, that you are okay, so that you can help others. You're no good to anybody if you're, if you're laying on the floor and, and, you're, and you're hurt. You need to take care of yourself for the purpose of taking care of others. And so when we talk about self-care, when, we, when I, we talk about this story that I'm about to show you in the Old Testament, what we're talking about is this idea that I'm going to do better at caring for myself, not just for me. It's not just this thing to where I'm going to be selfish and I want to seek to better me. It's that I'm going to do better for myself. I'm going to seek to improve for the purpose of caring for others, to be a servant, to be selfless. So when we look at the story, let's look at the story. It's in 1 Kings 19, and uh, it's the story with Elijah And to give you a little context before we read it, this is where we're at. So in the history of Israel, you had this king named Ahab. And Ahab was this very, possibly the most evil king that has ever lived in the history of Israel. Not necessarily because of himself, but because he was married to a very infamous woman named Jezebel. Jezebel was so, so wicked that she became this metaphor in the book of Revelation for the enemy, for evil itself, right? So Jezebel used Ahab as a puppet 
all throughout this time in history to do these very wicked and very evil things. And so God sent the prophet Elijah to King Ahab. And he told King Ahab, he said, that you are leading the people of Israel into sin. You are leading these people away from God. You are leading them into idolatry. And then this huge battle arose where this is, this is the wager that, that Elijah gave. He said, here's what we'll do. Well, it's how we'll decide who is the supreme God of the universe. We're going to take your prophets. They were called the prophets of Baal, the, Baal, the foreign pagan god Baal. We're going to take them, and we're going to take me, and we're going to go out. And we're going to establish this sacrifice. We're going to pile up all of this wood and put this sacrifice, and we're going to call down fire from heaven. And whoever's God can bring that fire down, that is the God that will reign supreme. So the stage is set. That's exactly what they did. They go out. They put this sacrifice. They put all this wood in for hours. The prophets of Baal marched around this wood and this sacrifice, calling out and singing to their gods for hours, and nothing ever happened. And so then it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah up the ante. Elijah said, Let's build, let's, let's dig a trench. So he dug a trench around the wood and the sacrifice, and he said, let's pour water. They poured water all over the wood and all over the sacrifice, so much water that the trench filled up. And then Elijah called out to God, and fire came down from heaven and consumed the wood and consumed the sacrifice. And God, Yahweh, was supreme. He showed that he is the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And then he gave Elijah a difficult command. He said, I need you to kill these prophets. So that's what Elijah did. And then when Jezebel heard that Elijah had killed the prophets, she was furious. And she said, made this vow. She said, I, be so to me if I don't kill you this day. So she puts a hit on Elijah's head. And then it says here in verse 4, it says, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. I need us to understand the gravity of this situation. This is, this is not just somebody vowing to kill Elijah. Instead, it's like the whole government of the known world coming after Elijah. Like all of these resources... All of, these man, all of this manpower has now been directed to kill Elijah. And so he is terrified. He gets up and he runs. He's just done this incredible obedient act of God where he called out to God and fire rained down. And he's running for his life. And so he was afraid. He arose and ran for his life to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Then verse 4 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my fathers. This is an interesting statement to me. Because if you look at the, the person of Elijah in Scripture, Elijah is an incredible man. He's an incredible, possibly the most famous prophet in the Old Testament. The Bible describes him as, as a man with righteousness 
that is so far beyond most people. He's so righteous that later after this story, that he, he, he does what God calls him to do, and then a fire, fiery chariot comes down from heaven, and it says that he took up Elijah. Only two people in the, all of the Bible didn't die. It was Enoch and Elijah. So for Elijah then to go and say, I am no better than my father's, is extremely illustrating to me as to where he's at mentally. Because here's what's, rea- here's what's real. What happens to us a lot of times is, is we want to give everything that we have. Right? We, we are taught well that, that we should give the best. That we should be the best that we can possibly be. Give that 110%. And we should try hard, and we, especially for God. If he died for me, then I'm going to give him all that I have, and we will exhaust ourselves. And if you're anything like me, thoughts will begin running through your head. You'll look at what you accomplished, and you'll be dissatisfied with what you've accomplished. You'll feel guilty. You'll say, if that's the best I've got, then maybe, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe, maybe the position that I'm holding... I shouldn't hold. Maybe someone is better and they should do. Maybe, maybe I'm just not very good at all. And all of this mental depression and guilt begins to seep in. And I, I, I just imagine that, that maybe it's the same for you in your life. Wherever you're at in life, you start struggling with this self-doubt. You start doing like this ultra self-criticism because you've given it everything you have, and there's all this guilt that builds up because you don't feel like you've accomplished what you think that you should have accomplished. And then you start, then you start comparing yourself to other people. Like, well, look what they did. Why can't I do what they did? Why, can't, why haven't I accomplished what they've accomplished? And again, your mind goes to this super dark place where you're feeling all this guilt all of this shame because you feel like you haven't done enough. And, and, and the worst part of it is you think that you've let God down. You feel like you haven't done enough for God. I think that's where Elijah is at right here. I think, I think Elijah had these expectations that what I'm going to do is I'm going to be obedient to God. And whenever God does what he's going to do, it's going to make life great. It's going to be so much better. And so he does what God says. And instead of making life better, instead, he's running for his life. And, and I bet, possibly, he starts wondering, have I done something wrong? Did I not do all that I was supposed to do? And all of this guilt and depression sets in for Elijah to the point to where he says, take me and kill me now. Let me die. I am no better than my father's. And so interesting about this is God's reaction to what he says to God. God doesn't scold him. God doesn't even rebuke him. Instead, God sets this, almost this plan of rejuvenation, of self-care for Elijah that I think that we must learn from. Because again, Elijah is a servant. He's looking to pour himself out to God. And what God does right here is re-illustrate to Elijah that if you are going to do all that I need you to do, what you must do is to care for yourself so that you can care for others. So this is what happens. It says, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree. So that's where I want to stop first. 
This is the first thing that God does to rejuvenate Elijah. He just tells him to sleep. And this is what's interesting about it. I don't know, if you're like me, you struggle with this too. I, I don't think that it's lost on us, it should be lost on us that, that he slept or that God rested on the seventh day. If you look throughout Scripture, rest is an extremely important aspect of the Christian life. Here's, here's the way we rationalize it, or here's the way I rationalize it. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't, I'm not going to get enough sleep. I'm going to sleep less so that I can be more productive for God. I'm going to be more productive and help more people and do more things. And while everyone else is sleeping, I'll just do. But that's irrational. Let me tell you why. So I was doing some research, and they did this study. And they, they studied these factory workers, and they showed that, that those who slept less than eight hours a night, on average, had a $2,000 productivity decrease. Meaning that the employer is losing $2,000 of productivity simply because their worker did not sleep well. It dropped even, even more when you go less than five hours. When you go less than five hours, they were 29% less productive than those who slept well with eight hours. Now, let me, let me just say this, because Regina corrected me after the first service. I know that everybody don't need to get eight hours. It's a range. Some of us are different. But the general number is six to nine hours. We know, you know how much sleep you need to thrive. But if you're like me, and I'm just going to be honest with you, it comes from this place of arrogance, right? Like, well, I don't have to have that. I can, I don't, I can only sleep five hours, and I'll be good. And what that turns into... For me, as I become more irritable, I'm like tired all day. And what that translates into is me being hateful to people. And I'm less productive throughout the day. So the first thing that God tells Elijah is you need to sleep. Sometimes, I, I can't remember who said this, this is profound. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that we need to do is take a nap. Sometimes we just need to rejuvenate. We need to get to a place to where we're, we're struggling. Maybe we have all of this guilt built up. We have all of these issues. We, have all of, we don't even know where to go. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And God says, I just need you to rest. Jesus did it. If God Almighty can come down from his throne and live on this planet and he needs rest, then that means that I do too for the purpose of understanding who I am in Christ and what he has called me to do. And if, if that means that I need to rest, that means I need to take some time and rest, then that's what I need to do and to be the most productive. He goes further. He says, And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. The second thing that God tells Elijah to do in order to rejuvenate him is to eat. But here's what's really, really interesting about this. God tells him exactly what to eat, and he knows exactly how much he should eat. And this is where we struggle a lot too. Again, if you're anything like me, you struggle with your diet. The other day, me and Jaron are talking. And 
Me and Jaron have these weird conversations sometimes that don't matter at all, but we just think about stuff like this. And so we got to talking about this, and, and, and it's like, why do we brush our teeth? Why is that necessary? And Jaron, to me, made this profound, asked this profound question. He said, we don't, ever, we don't brush any other bone. Like, why do we need to brush this bone? And because I don't like brushing my teeth, I'm on board. Like, I'm passionate. Like, I don't know. Like, I ain't brushing my, my arm. I ain't brushing that bone. Why am I brushing that? I don't think we should have. And then I made this statement, which is equally as dumb. I said, well, you know what? Native Americans, they didn't brush their teeth. If they didn't, then why do I? Which is a dumb thing to say. And the answer to that question, by the way, is this. The reason why Native Americans didn't have to brush their teeth like we do, by the way, I think they did have some kind of sort of brushing their teeth, but it's because they didn't eat the same things that we eat. They didn't eat sugar. They didn't eat all of these things that are bad for us that we continue to eat. For example, the human, the, the average American, we ingest 77 grams of sugar per day. That's over three times the recommended amount. And it's even worse for children. That, that equates to 60 pounds of sugar a year. That's, that's six 10-pound bowling balls. You want to do some math there. And, and here's the problem with that. Like we looked at, and I'm not just trying to hate on everybody for their diet. I'm just saying, like, if, if I'm, if I'm going to be serious, and I'm going to say, you know what? I want to be all that God has called me to be. I want to, I want to do everything. I want to give my life to Him. I want to submit to him. I want him to have every part of it. I want to do everything he's called me to do. Then the question arises, is, are we putting in our bodies what best fuels us to do that? And for me, the answer a lot of times is no. It's a whole lot easier just to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's than to find some good, nutritious meal that I ought to eat that will better fuel me to do what God has called me to do. But we have to be serious about self-care. We have to get to this place in our lives to where sleep matters to us. Diet matters to us. It's not in here, but exercise also goes in here, right? Like, I should, I should be going to the gym. I should be trying to better my body so that I can facilitate what God has called me to do. But he don't just stop there. He keeps going further. He says this. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Here's what's super cool about this. By the way, if God ever repeats something in Scripture, it's always super, super important and you should Pay attention. He repeats the same thing again. And then adds, arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. Why does, why does God do that? Here's why I think he does that. It doesn't say this, but here's what I think, okay? What I think is, is well, here's what we as humans do. A lot of times we as humans, we get, we get like that initial boost, like we feel a little bit better, and then we think we're ready. And we're not. For example, Lincoln loves knives. 
My little boy, who's three and a half, loves knives. Should a three and a half year old have a knife? No, he should not. So therefore, he doesn't. But that don't mean that he loves them any less. He loves them. And I have this little bitty knife called a little toothpick knife. And, I, and he, every time he sees it, he wants it. He wants it. Like, oh, daddy, I want that toothpick knife. So I have to tell him, I have to say, buddy, you're, you're too young. When you get older, when you get a little stronger, when you have a better understanding of how sharp this instrument is, when you know how better to use it, when you get to be a big boy, I will gladly give you this little toothpick knife. And so what that produces, he, he understands. He's like, oh, yes, sir. And then we'll go into the living room, and he'll be like, I am a big boy now. I can have the knife because I'm a big boy now. Right? And it's because there's no, it's because we jump to these conclusions. I did the same thing when I was a kid. And I'm sure some of you have done this. I remember having strep throat. And I felt horrible, like on death's door for a long time. And then I went to the doctor. They gave me antibiotics. And I took that first antibiotic. And like the next day, I was like 100%. I was like, I'm so ready. Please, let me go outside and play football. Let me, I'm so ready. Like I'm, so, I'm obviously well. And I remember my mama saying, nope, you can't go yet. Because you're not well. You think you are. You feel like you are, but you're not. And I don't want this to relapse. I don't want you to get it again and it make it worse. I think that's what is happening here with Elijah. Sleep and eat. And then he feels better. Oh, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do. He says, no, you need a little more time. And so what it does is with this, this subject of self-care, what that should tell us or what that should give us is this self-awareness to know, you know what, I, I, I am better, but I need to continue. I need to press on. I think, I, think for, I think the reason that so many people set this goal to lose weight and then they stop trying to lose weight is because they, they struggle to meet their goal. Like they, a particular amount of time passes and they think that they should have reached that goal by now, and they don't. So it discourages them, and they, and they, and they give up. And, and what, what God is telling Elijah here is we've got to press on. We've got to continue. It's not something that you do once, and, you, and then you stop. We've got to keep going. The journey is still too great. I need you to eat. I need you to get better. I need you to rejuvenate. That's what continues to happen. So I left this part out of the, the first service, but let me clue you in. So in that, in that stretch of verses after that, you have the, the famous story of where, where God, uh, there's this earthquake, and it says that God's not in the earthquake, that there's wind, and God's not in the wind, and then he's in that still whisper, right? And there's so much to this story that we don't have time to get into, but what was so cool about these verses is we get into that why. Like it says, and the Lord said to him, go. Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. This was so cool to me. Is What God doesn't say is, Elijah, here's what we're going to do. We're going to rejuvenate you for you. We're going to rejuvenate you. We're going to give you sleep. We're going to give you food. You're going to get way better just to sit around. And just to show people how big your muscles are. Just to show people how awesome your diet is. Just to show... He doesn't say any of that. Instead, there's this specific stated purpose. He says, 
go. You're rejuvenated now. You are ready. You have slept well. You have ate well. You are rejuvenated. You are mentally there now. You are emotionally there now. You are spiritually there now. It is time to go. And he gives him these tasks to do. Which brings this whole thing to where we started. Of this this idea that self-care, taking care of yourself, eating well, exercising, sleeping well, taking care of your body is not just for you. It's for the specific purpose of being ready for when God calls you to do what he's called you to do, which leads us to our bottom line. Bottom line is don't be selfish. Care for yourself. Don't be selfish. Care for yourself. Reality is this. We have a very small amount of time on this planet. The older I get, the more it becomes abundantly clear to me that my time is running out. And we only get one life. And God has called us to very specific purposes in our life. It is too short for us to make goals just to forget. Let me tell you what I mean. Let's just tell you a little bit about me. Maybe, maybe this changes the way you think about me. I don't know. But I'm a believer in Jesus and Bigfoot. Okay? Not equally. Not equally. I believe in Jesus way more than I do Bigfoot, but I still I love Bigfoot. Okay? Like if you're around me for long enough, we're going to talk about Bigfoot. I love it. Like I love, I love to sit there and, and talk about like all of these people who've had these Bigfoot encounters and like argue with people who say he don't exist and be like, he obviously does. Look at these encounters. These people never met and they're the exact same. Like you explain that to me. Or all of these other reasons why Bigfoot exists. And the entire time, listen closely to what I'm about to say. The entire time that I am arguing why Bigfoot is real, in the back of my mind, in the core of my heart and my soul, I know that he probably don't exist. And I think, I think that's why we struggle with our goals. While, like, we're, it's January 15th. Obviously, millions upon millions of New Year's resolutions have taken place and are probably already broken by now. And the reason I think that we set these goals, we have these good intentions, and then we break them, is because as soon as, the moment that we set them in the back of our minds, we're already telling ourselves it's not going to happen. Or we know that God has called us to these incredible things. We know that God has a specific purpose for our lives. But at the same time, as soon as we say that, we know we know that we need to eat well. We know that we need to self-care so that we're ready for what God has called us to. As soon as we say that, we also know, well, it's not going to be comfortable. So I'm probably not going to do it. See, we always were constantly looking for motivation. We're constantly looking for like, oh, I'm just not motivated. When in reality, what we don't need mo- is, we don't need motivation, we need discipline. To where the mission that God has called us to is so much more important to us than the piece of cake that's sitting on the table. Or the mission that God has called to us, the, the, the purpose of our lives is at the forefront of our minds, not how awesome our bed feels in the morning and we need to just keep sleeping and not go to the gym. 
five away. I realize that the sleep problem goes the other way. Sometimes we sleep too much. Because, like I said, the reality is, is that you and I have a very short amount of time on this planet, and I want to make the biggest impact that I can make while I'm here. And the way that happens, the way I make the biggest impact while I'm here is I take care of myself so that I can fulfill what God has called me to. I improve myself so that I can do a better job at what God has called me to. It makes sense that I would try to get better at communicating God's word to you. This is what God has called me to. It would make sense that I would try to improve my ability to connect with teenagers. Why? Because that's what God has called me to do. It makes sense that I would seek to take care of my body because I can do none of that if I'm unhealthy. But it has to be this, this mentality of understanding that we are caring for ourselves, we're improving ourselves, not for ourselves ultimately. Self-care is not just about caring for ourselves. It's about a bigger mission, a bigger idea, farther and way bigger than us. I love, I love to do study on like military stuff. I just, I'm a history buff and I love that. And if, if you look at Navy SEAL training, okay, you have the, the, the most famous training possible in the world for, for military it's called BUDS, the, the famous hell week, where it's just awful. It's like the best of the best, and they're, and they're always tapping out. And they put them through what seems like all these meaningless tasks. Like, we're going we're gonna to make them carry a, a boat over their head and, and jog down the... And, and the point of it, like, what is the point? It's like, it seems like all you want to do is, like, exhaust them to the point to where they lose their minds. And that's exactly what they're doing. If you, if you listen to the, the sergeants, the leaders, the reason why they're doing that is they say that when you break someone down and they are that exhausted, you finally get to see who they really are. And we're look, and this, what, this, this blew my mind when I first heard it. He said, we're looking for people who have a we rather than me mentality. Certainly a Navy SEAL is going to work out, get ripped, and have all these incredible skills. But the reason he does that is not because he just wants to show everybody how awesome and big and incredible he is at shooting. It's so that he can fulfill a bigger purpose and he can, he can adequately save lives. He can ad- adequately defend freedom. He can be there for his brothers in arms. And it has to be the same for us. So interesting, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now, the context of that is not self-care. But I don't think that it's inappropriate to say that we can glean from that that it's super important that we care for this body that God has given us. I think it's the same as when Matt was talking about finances and he says that it takes it to another level when we view our money as not our own. It's the same, it has to be the same way for our bodies. Like if, if I get to this idea, this understanding finally, that this body was given to me by, by God and it's not mine, 
It's just what he's allowing me to use right now to fulfill his work and to fulfill his purpose. To me, that makes it a whole lot easier to get motivated to go to the gym, to eat well, to sleep right, because I know that this is his body, and he has determined that it is for his purposes. And so what you and I have to do is we have to take self-care seriously. It's, there's a physical aspect to it. There's a mental aspect to it. There's an emotional aspect to it. There's even a, there's a spiritual aspect to it. And we have to find the things that rejuvenate us. Physically, that's, that seems to be somewhat easy. Like we, just, we eat better, we exercise, we sleep right. It gets a whole lot more difficult when it comes to mental and emotional. For me, I'm just going to tell you, for me, it's the outdoors. Anything outdoors rejuvenates me. I don't know why. I can't even express. It just gives me a peace and a connection with God that I can't get almost anywhere else. It's unbelievable. But as soon as I say that, I mean, Q was talking about the other day how to him, deer hunting is the stupidest waste of time he's ever heard of in his life. Right? And it's because it's just not his thing. We have to find those things in our lives that rejuvenate us mentally and emotionally to the point to where we're actually useful. So where we can give ourselves to others, where we can be selfless, we can fulfill the mission that God has called us to. And so I, I don't know where everyone's at this morning. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning and your goal, like you want to you be a better father, a better mother. You want to connect with your kids so that you can share the love of Christ with them. And maybe, maybe they just, they really enjoy the outdoors. They really enjoy hiking or anything that exerts their bodies and you can't because you're not physically fit. Maybe this morning the self-care that you need is to be on a better diet to exercise. Maybe that's not you. Maybe this morning you're, you're here and you're, you're struggling mentally. Like you have some mental health issues and you're just pushing them like they don't exist. Maybe you, you're, you have a mentality like me sometimes where you just think, I'll just give, 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 and then rest when I go to heaven. It's a dumb statement. And what that does is it taxes your mind, your body, and your emotions to the point where you're really not even worth anything to anybody. Because you're constantly hateful. You're constantly mean. And you need to find that thing that rejuvenates you, that gives you rejuvenation. So this morning, I'm, I'm about to pray. The band's going to come out, and you have this opportunity. You don't have to come to this stage to pray. You don't have to come to this stage to make some kind of commitment or life change. But the stage is certainly available to you. Let's pray. Your Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, God. I thank you for each man, woman in this room. I thank you for this body that you've given me. I thank you for all of the blessings that you've given us, Lord, that each one of us have specific talents, abilities, and skills that you have given us for the purpose of fulfilling a mission that you have set before us. God, you said we are created in Christ Jesus, that we are your workmanship. We were created for good works. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us see those good works and that we would self-care and self-improve in a selfless manner that aims towards that one ultimate goal. Lord, that we would attack the things in our lives that prevent us from being all that you want us to be, God. 
We would not allow discomfort to reign over the purpose that you've caused, that you've caused us. Lord, maybe, maybe there's someone here, God, that like, they're, like the ultimate self-care they need is just they don't even know you. Lord, they're sitting here this morning and they don't know you as their Savior. So Lord, I just pray that right now that you would impress upon them this unbelievable reality that you descended from heaven and walked this earth for the purpose of dying on the cross for them. You died a death that you did not deserve to give us life that we do not deserve, God. And that all they have to do is to run into your arms. And it starts this whole new pursuit of submission, of trust, and a relationship with you, God. Lord, I pray that as your children, those of us who know you intimately and have a relationship with you, Lord, that you would remind us, each one of us, God, of what you've called us to, the purposes that you have given us, the mission that you have given us, God, and that we would live our lives in accordance to that purpose and to that mission all the way down to our dot, all the way down to our sleep, God, and our mental health or emotional. It's in your name we pray. Amen.